Some people call me the space cowboy Yeah Some call me the gangster of love Some people call me Maurice Cause I speak of the pompous of with Adam Curry for May 26, 2020. My guest today was born just after World War II in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. He started his career in the early 70s as a market researcher. Now, when growing up in the Netherlands myself, he was a staple in Dutch media. He's the man who had all the data, a lot of the answers from elections to referenda, from measuring consumer behavior to global market movements. He's a bona fide expert. But something interesting is happening now as the globe is still largely locked down in the coronavirus crisis. His ideas and the conclusions of some of his research are often outright rejected. And it appears that he is being at best marginalized in the media and at worst outright censored. I've been looking forward to speaking with my guests for some time now. So I'm very pleased to welcome Maurice de Hunt. Maurice, how are you doing? Hi, man? Adam. Hey, it's... Yeah, very good. Thank you. And uh, I should say we, we have a little bit of history uh, together at first, I, I think. Didn't you work with my dad, Jay? Didn't you work with him at some point? Yes, in, <laughs> for a long time. Yeah, yes. in, the, in the intermediate. Great guy. Yeah, he passed away in November. I don't know if you if you knew that or not. Uh, I'm sorry. No, no, that's uh, that's okay. Um, he he made it to eighty. Not too bad. Um, now we have also met in the past. Uh, I was always very impressed at how you uh, grabbed the capabilities of the internet early on uh, to do your work. And I think I, I was involved in a business transaction. Did I sell a part of a company to you for one euro? Do you call anything like that? I don't remember. <laughs> Something to but, new economy, I think. I can't really remember. What, we had some deal, some yeah. weird deal. Yeah, uh, but I wrote a, a book in 95 called Thanks to the Speed of Light. Because I was so sure that the internet would be mean a huge revolution. And basically all the things I wrote in 95, yes, get, Came yeah. true, absolutely. It came true. Yeah. In so the years after, did I char- categorize? Did I characterize your um, your history? I know it's a very broad stroke, but maybe you can give us a little bit of uh, background, just from where you started and and how you kind of got into being the guy in the Netherlands when anyone wants to know anything about polling, data, statistics. Can you just walk us through that for a sec? Yes, I I studied social geography. Uh, in '65 at Amsterdam University, I also became a lecturer at the university, and then started as a market researcher. And I was very much interested in politics, and I saw how they did the opinion polls, but their forecasts were very poor. So I looked into the data, and I discovered what their mistakes were. So I started to make a better uh, forecasting system what I introduced in 76 via the radio. And because I was so right on the mark at the elections in 1977, since then I became, yes, basically the guy for opinion polls and forecasts in the Netherlands until today. Now, that the, when you, you said you figured out that they were doing it wrong, is it, can you explain first why would the government of the Netherlands be doing it wrong? And was your idea unique? Did you see some of this taking place in other countries? What, what kind of was that? No, it was, not, uh, it was not the government who did those opinion polls. It were um, market research companies. Ah, okay. But that was in the, yes, basically in the beginning. And they made some... Uh, interesting mistakes and the biggest mistake was 
that the when they draw samples, those samples were basically not so okay. But there was one uh, for me a very important uh, point to see, and that was if you really look well into what people are saying, what they're what they voted the last time, that could be mean a correction methods for the forecast. Nowadays, it's uh, very clear. In the 70s, it was not so clear. So I improved our forecasts in the Netherlands with about uh, 50%. And that was enough to be uh, yeah, a better forecaster. And because I started at the radio, and yeah, it was every week, every month in, at the radio, then a couple of years later, it, I was also on television, and I became... Yeah, basically what Nate Silver is nowadays in the United States. Well, and that's an excellent uh, point to just pause for a second. In the 2016 election, Nate Silver probably was the most wrong of everybody in predicting that uh, Hillary Clinton would win the presidency. Yeah, he was not the only one, by the way. No, of course not. Of (laughs) course not. What, What were your numbers? Now, I didn't do the uh, forecast in the United States, but yeah, I was following Nate, Nate Silva and the other ones. But basically, if you see the the numbers for the population, uh, the, the 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 all over the United States, Hillary had more votes. But at, at the level of the states, yeah, Trump was better. But um, yeah, uh, I I did my forecast in the Netherlands, and I was uh, also with a kind of let's say Trump type party at the last elections and everybody said they would not win and i was the only one what said they would be the largest party and that really happened and w- which party was this the F- forum, for, oh, democracy. forum for democracy right okay okay thierry uh, boden is that his name yeah. the, okay right well good uh so you you're, you still have good standing with the with the public as recent as uh, the the most recent elections then we get yeah. the, we get the coronavirus uh, or the, uh, the the something called coronavirus happens. It's there's still a lot unclear, and uh, some unexpected things happen. Things that have never happened before. And what I find interesting about your story, which I'd like to get into, is you're not really refuting a lot of the the medical arguments uh, that are being made. And you know, for instance, the United States is a very polarizing conversation around hydroxychloroquine which the president has touted and that's being you know it being um uh denied that type of uh authority by by media by politicians by agencies by other doctors we have uh, many doctors creating youtube videos being taken down it's all about science and uh, and medicine and virology uh, which is incredibly debatable, uh, although for some reason we all put complete trust in our scientists and say, you got to trust them, they're the ones that know, and it turns out they might not, so we're learning some things. But really, the lockdown itself, quarantining healthy people has never happened before, as far as I know, anywhere in um, uh, in the world, and you learned some things from your data and from your research, as you, and as you already, already said, your data is always what that was really always your unique uh, proposition is you you make sure you've got the right data and it's and it's clean and correct what exactly have you discovered uh and, and of course I'm I'd like to know what it, the exact thing that you've discovered and have been talking about that apparently you're getting pushback for yeah basically 
I'm a social geographer, and from day one, I, I learned how to program a computer in 1965 when I was 18 years old. So I was always in big data, even before the word existed. And as a geographer, the only thing where what I know something of is data analysis of patterns, ge geographical patterns, and try to understand why they happen like what I see there, um, yeah, what happens. And yeah, so from day one, I tried to see what kind of pattern I could see with this virus spreading all over the world. And I saw from day one some very interesting patterns. And at the first, let's say, between January and beginning of March, basically the only places where you could see an outburst of the virus was in the areas of, of the world, north of uh, 30 degrees uh, uh, north. And, um, and you could see that those are areas where the temperature in the winter is somewhere between, uh, let's say, 40 Fahrenheit until uh, 60 Fahrenheit. And the level of humidity is low. And the interesting thing is that is especially the the temperatures where you also see that influenza uh, uh, happens uh, in those areas north of uh, that uh, that uh, latitude or or how you call it uh, yeah latitude. Then you can see that in the winter time there is influenza. It's not no influenza in the summer. And this is uh, something that. Almost out of the gate, we were, I, I think lots of people were told to shut up. You know, this is not influenza. It's not like it at all. But you're, you were seeing obvious correlation between in the behavior, uh, if we can call it that, of influenza and coronavirus. It's, it's uh, there, the, the behavior of the spread of the virus exactly is influenza. I mean, the, the disease is different, but the, the spread all over the world is exactly like influenza happens, but with one big difference. And that's the huge difference many people don't realize. If you see, for example, in 2017, 2018 in the Netherlands, there was a big outbreak of influenza. Still, that was only 20, 25% of the population because a big part of the population is already immune for a new influenza because maybe 30 years ago or 20 years ago, that flavor of the year was already before there. So in your blood is a kind of defense. Mm -hmm. With Corona, there, there is no defense because nobody was, has immunity. So you see basically a very clean sheet. Everybody could be infected, almost everybody. So the pattern you see is for a geographer also an easy pattern because I don't have to see inside uh, the blood of a person if he was maybe immune. Because, you know, everybody, nobody is immune. Right. And then you see the patterns much more clear than if you see influenza in a normal year. So, and if you uh, accept ahead. that as a way of looking, then basically it's, a, it's very simple how the, the virus is moving around. I recall probably in the first couple of weeks... Um, when this just started, I don't know, the lockdown might not have even occurred yet, but I recall immediate pushback against people saying, well, look at this map. And you could see, obviously, where there was coronavirus, where there wasn't. Um, 
correlation, not causation, I've learned to say, but it looked pretty obvious that this was a, a colder temperature, different uh, climatic environment. And right away, we were told, quiet. We don't, you don't know that. We don't know anything. There's no proof that heat, uh, that it can't live perfectly in heat. It may thrive in heat. Look at Ebola. I mean, this came very fast. Yeah, but I can understand because they didn't understand exactly this virus. And of course, what's the big difference is if a big part of the population is immune, you don't have so many victims. If nobody is immune, yeah, then you have many victims. And also the, 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 the end process, if you are really ill and become very ill, then you can see yeah, what started in Bergamo. And I think that the whole world got a kind of Bergamo trauma. Oh, no, no, I don't think so, Marisa. I think it was quite intentional uh, and meant to traumatize. And, and people still talk about, well, we, 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 saw, we saw Italy. We didn't want that. Yeah, but I, I don't... Uh, yeah, my business is not saying if it was intentionally or not. I only analyze data. And what I see all over the world, and also in the Netherlands, that when we saw the, 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 yeah, the people in Bergamo... And what happens in all those hospitals, you could see that everywhere in the world, uh, everybody got scared, the government got scared, and they all did something to try to prevent that Bergamo would happen. And the point was, when I analyzed my data, I said from day one, that, uh, and say about the 12th of March, that New York would become a kind of second Bergamo, not because of... um, uh, yeah, because of the what's the mas- most important factor, the weather in New York was perfect bad for the people and worse <laughs> and good for the virus. It was perfect condition. Well, there's just one just one point because uh, the the goalposts have. And by the way, we're a perfect uh, team to discuss this because it is my job to not trust. And so you know, for you to just be based on the data is perfect. It was two sides of it. The original uh, goal was flatten the curve so the healthcare system does not get overwhelmed like we saw in Bergamo. That was, at least that's what they were saying here. It was, we have to protect the healthcare system. That's when we started counting hospital beds, IC units. And that that was the goal. And that was what the problem was in Bergamo. Yes, there were a lot of sick people. At that time, we didn't really know the age range, the comorbidities, a lot of things we didn't understand. Uh, but it, their hospital system was overwhelmed, which I might add, in New York, in 2017, 2018, the influenza season uh, did overwhelm the system. And they also had bodies uh, stored outside of the morgue, which is not atypical for a bad influenza season. But you never see it. And that's what I mean by now we saw it. Now we were freaked out. No, but I'm not, I don't agree um, with you totally, because the big difference with this disease was that in the influenza season, the maximum number they could get is, let's say, uh, 100,000 uh, people dying. With this virus, because nobody was immune, if they didn't do anything, then 500,000 people would die. And that was so many people, that was, would be, mean much more, much more than with a normal influenza. So the, the first stage with the lockdown... I can understand because they also didn't know what happened exactly. But after two weeks, it was so clear 
what the what basically was happening and that they could control uh, the number of new uh, infected people and also the new death that at that time yeah they did something very wrong because they continued the lockdown and they did also lockdowns in countries where you didn't need the lockdown at all and there yeah they they killed the economy they killed the society so the effect of the lockdown for the total of that country and society is disastrous. Yes, and what and what I like, and this is uh, this is a part of what I think uh, your work is is important and interesting. As far as I know, almost no one did any data analysis on what it really meant to shut down the economy. And uh, these there are unintended consequences. There are a lot of obvious ones, which may actually turn out to be not as bad as we thought. I mean, we just don't know. To me, it's like interest rates. You really don't know at the end of the day. Yeah, generally, you have an idea, but there can be unintended consequences. So just a very small example. Nobody thought uh, in the United States that when you close the churches and the schools, the uh, Tens of thousands of daily Alcoholics Anonymous meetings cannot take place. And these are meetings that are of great uh, mental and, and physical importance for people. And they need some need them every single day. And so no one thought about that. So it's not just an economic, you know, from the numbers of what we're not buying and selling, but it goes much, much deeper. You have done that work. And you see, and I think that in some of the some of the work I'm seeing, the research on Maurice.nl, um, that that you really see the disastrous things that are coming out of this. And I think kind of that's where it started to go wrong. You were, as usual, you were invited on television shows, and you're all over uh, all over the media giving your insights. And you kind of touched the third rail by saying, "By the way, we're not doing it right at the moment." Yeah, I, I, I was, um, after three weeks, I was on Dutch television talking about uh, what I thought, how the virus was spreading and how you could uh, stop that and could, could do it right and also go out of the lockdown in a smart way. And then at the end I said, because uh, I know there are m- many people on the IC, but there is one patient also at, at the IC and is almost dying, and that's the economy and that's the society. And that one you don't take into the account of what we're doing now. And the interesting thing is, if you do it right in the way I I analyzed it, you can do it without now a lockdown with a very clever, smart uh, exit, while the numbers stay low and even lower than today. But if we keep it uh, looking to it into it in, in the wrong way like WHO is doing it and CDC is doing it, we, we kill the economy and we still have um, a, a big danger of a new, let's say, second wave or other things that, that we don't control the virus and we can control the virus completely, easily. Right. Well, so exactly what I said, you fucked with the machine. <laughs> you said, hey, World Health Organization... You're doing it wrong. CDC, you're doing it gone. What is the Netherlands? RIVM, I think, is the uh, is the Dutch C- yeah. CDC. And what was the response? Yeah, the response was that I was almost not at media anymore, not invited anymore. I had to do it uh, via the internet and interviews. Uh, Wait, hold on, on so, hold, hold on. So it it just you, you had that was a, which show was that, that you were on? Just that was it an evening talk show or yeah, but the, you, yeah. 
twice at a talk show, the biggest talk show in the Netherlands, uh, on the even late uh, show. Mm-hmm. Where that, that's the most important and the most influence. Now, a, a lot of influence. Did now, did anyone during the show or after the show say, "Wow, man, thanks, but you know, we can't have that anymore," or just you, just the phone stopped ringing? How does that work? Yeah, the phone stops ringing. Uh, <laughs> basically, uh, wow. And and every evening you have a new uh, virologist who is basically, if I hear them, they say things what is not anymore right because of all new research, and they also only make people scare. Uh, sometimes I almost want to throw a shoe to the television because they don't get the right questions, and they start keeping yeah t- telling all kinds of mantras. Like, uh, yeah, be, be aware, the second wave is coming. That's the current mantra. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. we had other mantras, because if you touch coins, you can become yes, ill. Yes, cash or... is dirty. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's all bullshit. <laughs> well, okay, so, and, and, and here's where the problem comes in, because you have a virologist. People know this as a virus. I think that's the expert. You, sir, you're not a virologist. How the hell could you have any standing in this? And how do you, and I, the question to you, Maurice, is how do you combat that when people uh, just won't believe you because you come from a different field? Yeah, that's the basic problem. But because uh, I am, yeah, I'm a scientist, <laughs> I also went to the university. I know how I can read papers. Yeah. And my analysis is data. And that is what I'm a specialist in. I don't know anything about, let's say, the virus itself and how it takes care that you become ill. But what's mo- more important, I can analyze the, the patterns of uh, the spread of the virus in areas all over the world and so on. And then... I read, of course, the new scientific papers because there is a lot of new scientific papers from China, from Germany, from Korea, from the United States. And all those that information together means that I have a kind of logical model about how this virus spreads and all the components of new information I'm getting. Yeah, that forms that total model. And it's yeah, for me currently, it's completely clear how the virus is spreading all over the world, in which way it transmits itself to other people, and what we can do to, at the one hand, open up as much as possible of the economy and of the society, and on the other hand, to prevent that the virus is spreading again. I want to uh, uh, I want you to explain what you've learned, and because uh, I think that the information is valuable to anyone. Anyone can apply this to their own life, even with the restrictions that uh, uh, government may have have put on you. Um, yes. The um, to get into that, uh, the Netherlands created something a little different than the United States, and, and we came up here with a term. Uh, which is social distancing and social distance. I despise this word. Uh, I, I really hate it. We can have physical distancing. Social distancing has very deep negative connotations to me. It's almost like you've got a social distance from these people, but go home and get on the social network and yell at them. Um, and the social distance determined here by our crack scientists is six feet. The Netherlands came up with kind of a two-for-one, and instead of calling it social distancing, they call it the one-and-a-half-meter society, which sounds better in Dutch, anderhalf meter maatschappij, 
one and a half meter society, which I think is interesting. It's a term that says, you know, we have a society now where we stay one and a half meters away from each other, which, by the way, is not even five feet. So is five feet okay? Is six feet better? That's just an irritating point for me. But you have real pushback on this because of what you discovered, and I'd love for you to uh, get into it. Okay. So basically what's the problem in this whole field is that WHO and all the, let's say, department, CDC, and all the, the other countries are saying the... Basically, the only way somebody uh, can be affected when you are inside, let's say, that six feet or one and a half meter of somebody who is ill. And then if you're very close, then droplets come out of the mouth or the nose. And those are entering your mouth or nose and you can become ill. And the second way, it maybe can be in an indirect way. So I am infected, I sneeze and something is on the table and I touch the other one touches the table and maybe touches eye and become infected. Although I believe CDC recently came out with guidance saying doesn't seem like it lasts so long on surfaces. Yeah, that's the that's new one. But my conclusion was already six weeks ago that it was impossible because if you see the data, if it really was true that it went via surfaces, then many more people would be infected. Because if you see the real numbers, then the interesting thing is, and that's basically almost the key to everything, there was, for example, a choir in Mount Vernon near Seattle, a very famous case, what was in LA Times, and it was uh, about um, 87% of the 61 people were infected. And, and so uh, one, two hours, three hours singing, rehearsing, in the 10th of March, and 87% of them were infected. Now, I saw a German research, the best one I saw until now, and what they did in Germany, very close to the Dutch border, um, he went into a city where it happened a super spread event during Carnival, and he was in 400 families, analyzed 900 people, took their blood samples, uh, swab, and also a questionnaire. And then he, he made the paper, was published uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and there were so interesting numbers in it, and basically the key to everything. Because what he discovered was, if you are infected at home because you have a patient at home, then yeah, roughly about between uh, around 30% of the people inside your household is infected also. Hmm. Um, that are numbers who are a little bit higher than, for example, in Japan and Korea, where they had numbers between 10 and 20%. What is remarkably low, because if you talk about the virus, you would think that if you have somebody at home who's ill, that almost everybody else in the house would get become it. ill yeah, too. Sure, sure. And especially if you become ill because of surfaces, yeah, the guy goes to the toilet, you go to the toilet, so... So why only only 20 to 30 or 35% of the other people in the household are infected? Then you go to the carnival, and at the carnival, like also at the choir in Mount Vernon, near Seattle, then you see that many more people are infected. And in Mount Vernon, it was one person who infected 52 other people. And 
if you look for the German results, if you, he analyzed the people at the carnival, those people were, had more symptoms than the people who were infected at home. And secondly, there was about 22% had no symptoms at all, but had in their blood already uh, that they were infected, but didn't know it. But the guys at the carnival, only 16% had no symptoms. And the people at home, 36% had no symptoms. So apparently, you are more ill when, you, when it happens during a super spread event, like a choir or a church or a big party or at the uh, Apreski, or at the... Right, with, so the- it's a lot of people in a small space, and then on, at home we have a relatively small amount of people in a, a smaller space. So that's kind of... Is that what you're yeah, saying? But, but, yeah, but in this small space, there two things would need to happen. No ventilation, low humidity. Ah. That, is the, that is the basic trick. If you have good ventilation, then nothing happens. If you have uh, high humidity, almost nothing happens. Because one of the things I found out in the Netherlands, uh, we have, have a lot of uh, interest in, in the, the, the fugitive on the island of Lesbos in Greece. Um, where 20,000 fugitives oh, yeah, these, are there. Yeah, these are the refugees that have come in from uh, Syria and other yeah. places in the Middle East and who have just been piling up in, uh, in refugee camps. Yeah, stuck there. Mm-hmm. And let's say half of March... There was a lot of, uh, every evening there was on the television someone who was standing there in the middle of the camp and said, yeah, you see how close everybody is living. Uh, If here the virus is coming, we will see a lot of problems here. And uh, yeah, thank God it didn't happen yet. That was, and at that moment I said immediately, it will not happen. And every week there was another, uh, yeah, uh, something on television also in other locations, somewhere in Africa or in India, if it happens here, yeah, terrible things will happen. And I said it will not happen because the big difference there with, uh, the, with the northern countries is they don't have windows. They always have natural circulation. Yeah, they're living in a tent, in a big tent. They're living in a tent. Yeah. And, the, and, and if it was the case that you would be infected by droplets because you are inside one and a half meter, then the normal thing would be that they would be infected because they cannot have a distance of one and a half meter and they cannot do social distancing. But what happens? It doesn't happen. It didn't happen there and it didn't happen until now. Let me add another data point to that, which I've been waiting for someone to do here in the United States. We have a very uh, visible homelessness problem. And um, it's certainly in Austin where, where, where I am, but um, uh, Los Angeles had actually created a huge space for all the thousands of homeless coronavirus victims they were expecting. And nobody to my not, came, nobody, sure. nobody, Maurice, nobody in Austin, no, but nobody in New in York. Netherlands. And they're living out. Oh, the Netherlands doesn't no, no. have any homeless, Maurice. Don't tell me that. The socialist government doesn't allow that. Okay. Yeah, the, in, in, the Hague, in The Hague, you have 1,250 12, homeless. Uh-huh. And you have also, uh, let's say, a place where they specially built this kind of village. And they, they, they were on the television there. Yeah, we do it for the homeless who become ill. They said, currently we have zero, but they will come. <laughs> They're coming. They never will come. 
Because wow. they are in the open air. And that is such a, I mean, that to me is really a, a great point because if anyone has comorbidities, uh, possibly, you know, diabetes, drug addictions, etc. However, and I, uh, I'm only learning about this, another point that sticks in my craw is all, none, none anywhere of the health professionals are talking about what you can do at home to improve your immune system. And it's my, it's my belief that uh, people who live outside on the street have a high immune system. They're alive, after all. So they have... Yeah, a, but that's... A, go ahead. That's maybe one point. But the biggest point is, because they're outside, in the, in the air outside, um, there you, you cannot... Someone cannot transmit the virus because the virus is not going by a droplet, but it's going via the air. And it's only... And it's leaving, let's say, the lungs of... An infected person by speaking or singing. Yeah, then singing. <laughs> if the conditions are, yeah, if Choir. the conditions are bad, the the virus keep flying around, and other people. If you are inside, you are breathing breathing that into your own lungs. So the the, the virus really jumps from one lung to other. If it's enough virus, you can become ill, and if that's Really, the only way... I'm sorry, hold on, hold on. uh, Let me ask you a question. You said when you have enough virus, you can become ill. Is that like the viral load or what what does that exactly mean? Yeah, that's called the viral load. Okay. And and that can be, for example, for different people, that can be a different uh, level. I don't know because that is not my speciality. Right. But I'm almost sure because the the results I told you from Germany that those people at Carnival, uh, uh, they had more symptoms than at home. And only there, 60% had no symptoms, but at home, 36% had no symptoms. Right. Because apparently, standing at the carnival, flying those virus around, you are uh, getting it inside your body. And there is, yeah, uh, some level where you start to be really infected. If you have one virus, I don't think you start to be infected at all. But I don't know what really threshold is. And of course, I think it can differ per person. But if you are outside... Outside, the the virus cannot stay around you. It floats up in the air. Mm -hmm. So basically, outside, you're completely safe. You don't need social distancing. Go to the beach. You can even lay on top of each other because the virus cannot stay long enough around someone to to become infected. And that is, if you see the patterns everywhere in the world, that is basically what's happening. But if you keep your, you still have your glasses on, that the only way you can be infected is by droplets. Yeah. Then, first of all, you cannot explain why those homeless and why, uh, get not infected, why the fugitives are not getting infected, and you also cannot explain why during, let's say, the choir uh, rehearsal. So many people became infected because what say re- what they really say is one person is infecting all those fifty two others because they came in close contact be- inside let's say the the six feet and because they did it those fifty two people become infected. My m- what I say is if that is true, how can it be possible that at home only thirty percent of the people are infected while you are five days with an infected people, an ill person, and you're and only 30% become infected. The answer is because the only way 
you can become infected is in an airborne way. The virus flies in the air. You are breathing long enough. The virus in. And that's the way someone become infected. Therefore, you have those what they call super spreading events. Therefore, you have those ships where a lot of people of the Navy become infected. Not because one Navy guy is going to kiss 900 other people but because in their internal uh, circulation of their ship, the virus is flying around and therefore 900 people become infected. That's also with the nursing homes. homes. Which is where most people have died in the nursing homes. Yeah, but that's also because what happens, they have the windows closed because otherwise those old people are getting a cold. You have an internal uh, ventilation system. It depends, the the heating or ventilation or air conditioning. But what basically happens, there also, there are the conditions uh, good for the virus to fly around and and stay in the, uh, let's say, in that system. And then it moves, flies around all the other people in that uh, that nursing home. And there, a lot of those people are become ill. Also, by the way, those uh, meatpackers uh, industry. The, of course, the meat and and look at uh, the conditions inside the meatpacking. It's uh, yeah. it's cold. That's the op- <laughs> it is the optimal wow. condition. That makes so much sense for the virus to fly around. And therefore, you see, really all over the world, not and not only in the United States, that's happening. I saw it. I, I wrote a blog already four weeks ago. I saw it in Brazil. I saw it in Canada. But what they saying, yeah, because those uh, the workers living in the dormitories and they live very close to each other. And if they are in the cars, very close to each other. And also now it happens in the Netherlands. And then they say, yeah, because if your way to look to it is only by droplets are doing it, then you have to find an explanation in that way. But if you accept that there are viruses under the right conditions flying around, then what happens is that. A lot of people are infected because what I also understood that maybe because of the machines, people have to shout more than normal. And I also right, got, right, infor- yeah. I got information of people who work in those uh, uh, meatpacking and they say there are specific rooms where they uh, cut the meat, where it's uh, below uh, 45 degrees, when there is no ventilation, it's a closed area and so on. And there is a low humidity. Now, that combination is yeah, the perfect hotspot for the virus. He enjoys to be there. And that, because that's, that's like a confirmation of the, of the theory. Yeah, that's a confirmation. But I have many more confirmations. And every time, so when I had my theory, let's say two months ago, all the new information became a confirmation of the theory, whatever happened. Therefore, I wrote those blogs and I forecasted that also in the Netherlands, there would something happen, like with the meatpackers, and that is happening now. But the crazy thing is, because WHO and the local organizations are still looking to it, like if you, it only happens inside the, the, the six feet area. Yeah, you see that they almost cannot explain it, and then they have to go to, yeah, but maybe they live in dormitories, and right, they're, right, and they're right, immigrants. Right, right. But there are also people in other uh, kinds of factories or in uh, agriculture who also live in dormitories, and there it doesn't happen. And they're very different so, working environment. There's more humidity yeah. and uh, different uh, temperature. 
Yeah, the crazy thing is, then, because that was the northern part, but, but also... Oh, oh, I'm sorry, let me ask you one question. Um, so in the, in the meatpacking uh, plants, uh, would a, in, uh, based on your, on your theory, would a simple uh, ventilation system that uh, does something, you know, that they put in locally above the people, whatever it is, I mean, would that solve that problem despite the ideal conditions? I think yes. Okay. If you have if you have enough ventilation, if it's cold or warm, doesn't matter. Of course, you have to check it. I, I, I got people who are specialists in it, and they say they also have a way of to get the the, the air out and goes from below to to above oh, or just, yeah, the other way around. Suck the air down. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I'm not that. I'm not a specialist, but right. I know that the virus is when the virus is flying around. Yeah, then it happens. Also, okay. like well, so, oh, sorry. something is killing me here, Maurice. Because uh, so you, you've identified the following: it it behaves very similar to influenza, and of course, because it's new, many more people can get infected. I'm I'm all in on that. So the behavior is almost identical to influenza. How is it that after decades, maybe a hundred years of research? No, definitely a hundred years of research. Look at the 1917, 1918 Spanish flu. After all of that, um, all of that time, has no one figured this out? I, it would uh, it appear it, to me. It seems like this uh, would be the same for influenza as it is for coronavirus, and we could have saved tens of thousands of lives every year just by by some simple adaptations during flu season. Yeah, but the point is, um, yeah, I, I res- it resembles like in the beginning of the 17th century, everybody was thinking that the sun was turning around the earth. And Galilei <laughs> came yeah. and said it's the other way around. And they threw him in the prison because they couldn't accept it. So if you look to something always in the same way, and you see with influenza, there are a lot of things they cannot um, explain. One of the biggest things what they didn't explain already in 50, 60 years, and I have a lot of, uh, let's say, presentations and, and papers, the biggest problem for, to, to, with um, influenza is that the, they have a completely different pattern uh, in the northern countries, like ours, eh, with the temperate uh, temperatures, and in the tropical areas or the subtropical areas, the pattern is completely different. That's always only during rain seasons. Right. And in some countries, you have one rain season a year. In some countries, you have two. There are even countries with three. And near the equator, there is no pattern whatsoever. And mm. you see, and there are a lot of presentations that they say that is the, they studied the most and they couldn't find the right explanation. So if you look to it, like the droplet is the only way of transmitting, you cannot find the solution, and therefore they they never could find an explanation. If you follow my uh, uh, way of thinking, that the only way someone is infected is by air, then I have found also the solution of this uh, big problem with influenza, and I can explain it, uh, because it's yeah, it's so logical and so simple and also so elegant. And I can also explain how I discovered it. That the floor so, is yours, sir. Go. Okay. Uh, so for, for, let's say, the northern countries like um, yeah, the Netherlands, Spain, France, uh, the northern part of the United States, um, there we have the influenza in the winter. And that's because 
at that period, we often are in closed, uh, have windows closed, mm-hmm. the, the, the humidity is low, and the, uh, the virus is flying around, and then you can breathe it, and you have maybe super spread events, but we didn't discover super spread events with uh, the influenza, because nowadays you can have a choir rehearsal and 80% is infected, and you know, okay, that was during the rehearsal. But if you, with influenza, only 15% is infected, we are not aware that it happened during that uh, rehearsal. rehearsal. Right. And because a lot of people were immune, you never get 80% is infected. Right. Okay. So, but now, okay, my, my problem was, okay, what is happening then in those countries south of, um, in the subtropical and tropical areas? Because still, it should go also by air. And I was looking into it, and I went to see Manaus. Manaus is uh, near the equator, like Guayaquil in Ecuador, also mm-hmm. near the equator. Mm-hmm. And there was some, uh, in March, were big outbreaks. And the, the good thing is, because Wikipedia, I can see for every country, all, almost on a daily basis, how, how the outbreak is going. And in Manaus, the 19th of March, there was an outbreak starting and it was exponentially growing so it was something what i discovered also in the netherlands that was at the pattern of a super spread event so then with my let's say west eyes from the netherlands i was looking to it maybe there was a church or there was a a choir or something or demonstration what was happening in manaus because of uh, of yeah what was the reason for that, that super was, spread so, yeah So, and in you, it's almost five days after it happens, then it's five five days before the symptoms start. Mm -hmm. Always in all the patterns I see when super spread events, exactly five days after the moment. Mm -hmm. So then I was trying to find and I couldn't find anything. So, but one thing, I also looked into the weather on a daily basis. And again, internet has all the historical data of uh, almost every city on earth. And then I saw something and my mouth were open. I was, sent, I was in shock. Because what happened in the morning of the 14th of March in Manaus, that morning there was a, 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 a rain, but very, how you call it, a, very, a lot of rain. Mm. Uh, a lot um, of humidity, a lot of humidity. No, 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 the rain, rain is just pure not rain. humidity. Okay, rain. Because it's always humid there. Yeah. A, 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 a lot of rain. And also thunderstorms. And my wife is Cuban, and I, oh, I'm often in Cuba with also my family-in-law, who are poor people living in houses and uh, with a lot of family inside the house. And I know what happens when it's raining. When it's raining, everybody moves into the house and is sitting there waiting until the rain stops. And then I started to think, okay, That's the only moment when it's raining that ventilation in the house is different than ah, normal. Of course. Because normally the, the, the door is open, the room, the windows open, they have maybe a ventilator, it depends how rich they are. If they are poor, they still have something to move around the air. And if it's really pouring rain, it's, it's, it's a lot of rain, something interesting happens because you have almost an, an iron curtain around the house of rain who stop the, the flowing of the air. Oh, so of course air, it keeps the air in, right. Yeah, and, um, and I also heard of my wife that, for example, if there's thunder, 
then the, the electricity of the area goes out mm -hmm. because of the or people no. <laughs> take out the electricity because they are afraid that there's something will happen with their uh, ventilator. Right. So no so, fans. No. No. Nothing. There's no air moving at all. No. Uh, no artificial So the movement. optimal. So the optimal situation. The only moment, real moment, when they are sitting together, talking with each other in a situation where there is no ventilation. That was exactly the moment that in Manaus, the five days later, I could see a, a, a big increase of the number of infected. And then I went to Guayaquil. Guayaquil is more to the west uh, at the coast of Ecuador. And there also was a big outbreak. And the outbreak started at the 13th of March. So I looked into the weather and what you could see at the 8th of March, there was a lot of rain and thunder. Same thing. So, so, and then I try to, to, and, and the interesting thing is, I also understand if that's, I mean, that's not a super spread event, like in one place, 200 people are infected, but maybe in 500 homes, 10 people are infected, but that <laughs> still means 5,000 people. Right. So what I did then was, okay. So I thought, let's imagine that the moment it rains, People in those yeah, areas, in those countries, um, they go inside the house and they talk with each other and the ventilation is, is, is cut off, basically, because they're inside a kind of cubicle with only the air who couldn't move out. That's the moment that apparently something happens where the, yeah, the, the, the something is stalking. When they talk, the, some... Um, yeah, the virus starts to to fly into the air. Will not fly a long time in the air, but if you're close to each other, that's also a way. If you ten minutes talk to someone very close to him, then that's also a way to get your the virus in, but not via droplets, but via the air. And then I was thinking, okay, everywhere, if I could see, if that was the reason, I could explain perfectly all the patterns of the influenza in the other countries, like. Where there is only, there's, when there is, for example, in India, you have the muson, there's only one time a year influenza during the muson. Oh, wow. Yes, yeah, so you could trace that back to all these historical uh, yeah. data points. If there, were, if there were two times a year influenza, that, um, then it was always during the rain, like Cuba in, the, in springtime and some near, near, near uh, autumn. But what was interesting, they said we cannot explain. Anyway, the pattern around the tropical, uh, around the equator. You know what's interesting? At the equator, you have in many countries rain almost all over the year. So why they couldn't find a, a pattern? Because if you look four years together, yeah, it's not always that on 14th of March there is rain. Sometimes it is maybe 6th of March and sometimes it is maybe April. Yep. So they couldn't find the pattern, but the reason was... They couldn't find the pattern because they looked into it. The only way you are infected is by droplets. Yeah, and I know in Cuba, uh, also if it's not rain, they often we sit together with a lot of family. Why are not people at that time starting the, right. the outbreak? Yeah, because the, the ventilation is very good. And so, and so what I see, so I went looking into all the countries, what was the period of the... Um, of the influenza, and which country is now, who has at this time normally a lot of influenza? Brazil. 
and they're and they're on deck for sure. Yeah, and now and you know what's happening? Why is there a lot of uh, influenza? Because this is from the north to the south. There is a lot of is basically a lot of rain, and that's the period I, I could see. For example, Rio in May and and the end of April, almost every three days you could see the rain. So, and what is also terrible to to imagine in. Um, a couple of weeks start the muson in India, starting in the south um, uh, west and going to the northeast in two months. If they don't understand the way I just said that the super spread events happen during be, the it's, rain, it's going to be horrible there. It is going to be horrible. Only there's only one way when it's not going horrible. Yeah, there is one. F- element was important. You only can get infected if there is one person infected. If nobody is infected in your country, yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Good but luck. For example, if you, if, if you look into Australia or New Zealand, and again, those countries did nice things, but the basic thing was there. This was not their influenza season. Their influenza season is usually in July and August. Right, right. So, so all those countries with nice numbers... They have the nice numbers, not because they did perfect things. They they had not their influenza season. So we can so we can almost kind of predict that the virus, if it's still around in two months, will start to hit India, will start to hit New Zealand and Australia, and we'll see spread if people don't uh, take appropriate yeah, but, action. Yeah, but if if you still think that it only happens by droplets, yeah, what is the appropriate action? There, if you don't understand what happened, you cannot take the right uh, precautions. Right. Yeah, everyone's going to do you, the, possibly the wrong thing. Yeah, most probably because also with the, let's say the meat packers. I mean, I wrote and uh, when I saw the first meat packers problem in the beginning of April, and somebody wrote me, I immediately said that's because of the 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 cold. That's because of their climate. Nothing happened with my message because yeah, who am I? And you could see, and still. Most of them are still debating what are the, the components. The 98% is that the, the climate in the, in the meatpacking factory, and the rest is maybe additional one, because, of course, if somebody is, uh, is infected, maybe if he talks a lot inside his house with somebody, he could maybe infect the other one. But basically, we talk about the reproduction factor, who is about, you know, the RO or R0, they call. Mm-hmm. And that's about, they say, two and a half. But it is not two and a half as a complete one. The two and a half has two parts. The two and a half has the part, the super spread event. That's maybe a factor 20. Right. But at home, this virus is maybe moving in 0.8. And if you only would be at home, uh, the, the things would not, if you have no super spread events at all, then the virus would die out like SARS did. Here's a question. Would an outdoor stadium, football stadium, be appropriate? I think yes. But with one, uh, two, two problems, most probably if you have um, something that covers you for rain, that could mean also that the, the virus is still Gets stuck in there. around. Right, right, right. So I, I would think that you have need uh, ventilation a lot. And the second point, of course, if you go inside to go to the toilet or yeah, to have yeah, drinks, yeah, 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 and yeah. if that's a closed uh, area, that's the problem, but yeah. not the outside. And people are telling me, but you know, during uh, uh, the, the soccer game Atalanta-Bergamo-Valencia, 
the 19th of February, a lot of people were infected, indeed. But nobody proves that it was in the stadium, because what happened? Bergamo, the, the game was in Milano, and the Bergamo is, yeah, uh, 100, 100 kilometers or so. People went, 40,000 people went by buses to yeah. the stadium. <laughs> yeah, bingo, there it is. They in went, your, to, in your bus. went to restaurants, but also those people who were still in Bergamo watched the game, maybe in, in, the, in, in the clubs. In, in the club, in yeah, the, in the pub. Yeah. And were shouting. So, again, if you don't look at it in the right way, yeah, you don't see the right solutions. Because it's the crazy thing in the Netherlands is, okay, it was a long time, don't go outside, and every time when people are outside, they... Oh, yelling, close, shaming, fines. Or close the, or close the beach. <laughs> close the the beach. best place close you can park. be is at the beach <laughs> with as many people as you want. In California, you can only now, since this weekend, sit on the beach. You couldn't sit on the beach before. You could, you could only walk on it. Yeah, and know, therefore... The it's Virus beach. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's um, it's insane. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, now, and you know what's also insane? The people, um, because of they said all those virologists say, yeah, if you touch coins or if you cut it in, you can become um, uh, effect, infected. Then there you get yeah, people do, get a kind of disease when you don't dare to touch anything. Yes, it's uh, called misphobia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, misphobia, and yeah. I call it. There's a new one now that's called misphobia coronitis because <laughs> because the, and basically and that was also the German in, uh, a German professor in that study he was in in the, all those homes of those infected people he took uh, samples of all kinds of places then he went to his lab and tried to see if they could um, yeah develop the, the, that virus in the way that it infected and his conclusion already at the tenth of April was you cannot become infected by surfaces at all. The only point was because what he said was so against the, the what other people said that eh, he didn't come through. The Dutch Dutch media, he was never in Dutch media. Nowadays he is more in German media and there is some turning around in their point of view. But if you are outside, let's say the the, the what what WHO says and CDC says then yeah, media are also not giving you any opportunity to explain what what basically you discovered. And very much like 500 years ago uh, with Galileo, uh, they've thrown you pretty much in the digital gulag as you did two outstanding interviews um, on uh, Café Weltschmerz, I can never <laughs> pronounce it, um, which uh, I listened to it on the podcast. Uh, they have a podcast version, but they are also on YouTube. Um, and you went through a lot of this. Um, and in fact, I found the interviewers to be uh, appropriately skeptical and pushing back. They were necessary. I thought it was a very adult conversation. It didn't sound crackpotty at all. Uh, both of those, I understand now, with a combined you know, 700,000 views, have been uh, taken down by YouTube. Now, the, the first one still is on. The oh. second one was, was taken yeah, off. Mm-hmm. But the only thing, and if you look, if you want to find it in YouTube, you could first you couldn't find it, but it was still there. Then it was taken off, and I heard today that maybe we'll return it. We also made a kind of cartoon-like uh, way of presenting our IDs that was on Facebook, and then after two days, there was uh, instead of that you could see that um, that uh, cartoon-like thing of two minutes. 
there was a message of oh yeah, yeah. you made you made a little animated uh, video yeah. explain explaining your your theory which is is very good I like it I I know the the software also that English, was done by the way also in English. oh you have it in English as well oh good good I'll post that yeah. in the in the show notes for this good. yeah but the funny thing was after three days then people told me if I want that if they wanted to see the the video that animated video it was you could get a message of it was uh, fact checked and it was not appropriate, and it was taken off on Facebook. Fake news, bro. You fake news. Yeah. You know. And no. the funny thing is, <laughs> when I saw the arguments, there was uh, an argument of one of the prominent uh, virologists of Belgium, and listen what his argument was. Because my story of Lesbos was of the fugitives. Yeah, there it isn't. So it's because of the ventilation, and living and outside. Ventilation. Mm-hmm. You see, his his um, answer was first of all. Uh, the average age of those people is 28 years old. So that's one reason. And secondly, if people maybe they're infected, but they're afraid to tell it because oh, they were afraid. Yeah. The old I'm afraid to call the doctor bit. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but it's always if the numbers are not fit, then there is a reason and so on. Well, the interesting thing was, my answer was, okay, the, the average age is 28. But if I see at the Navy where 900 people are infected, I don't think that the average age is 80 years in the, on those ships. Right on. Yep. So all those arguments are not logical and are also, yeah. Uh, and one thing I cannot stand, if an argument is not logical. There was first that perfect article in LA Times about the choir in, uh, in Mount Vernon. Uh, about and they said all all sixty people did uh, because they knew that there were problems. They did the social, social distancing, distancing yeah, and, yeah. and so on. But still, fifty two of them became uh, ill. And then CDC made the research and uh, case research. What was very interesting research, but they studied everybody. And what they said, yeah, you know what happened was a part of the time they were sitting on chairs, and those chairs were reasonable close to each other. So the final conclusion was. The, 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 what, the way they were infected was because they were part of the time they were on chairs, so that one person infected 52 people at that moment, and the end conclusion was, we have to keep social distancing. This is a proof. And, and, real, and the, all orchestras and choirs must perform while standing. Yeah, over some, <laughs> yeah but the craziest thing is, it, it's completely illogical, because the real uh, conclusion should be, the way the, 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 the virus is transmitted is not by droplets, it's by air. Mm-hmm. And then everything makes sense. One of the things that bothers me is the actual data itself. And I, I, I don't think it makes... We don't have to get into the IMHE models and why those were off and how those were readjusted. It's kind of uninteresting at this point. But uh, the actual data of infection rate... Uh, and uh, the code, mm-hmm. the coding of death rate, and th- this is a big debate here uh, in the United States. Uh, th- there's investigations going on as uh, two things are happening. Uh, n- number one, the um, the death rate uh, is determined by how the hospital system codes the death, and we've all heard the jokes. You know, guy shot in the head died of COVID nineteen. There is an incentive, a financial incentive to upcode, as it's called. Uh, it's a practice that is done all the time in hospitals. So that clearly corrupts the data. Um, and I think it's it's taking place at quite a scale. It might even have happened in uh, in Italy as well. So people still are dead and they may still have 
you know, all th- no. we, we really don't know. The data is just clearly not uh, not complete. And the second thing um, is we certainly in the United States we're increasing testing. So the data, you know, to a layman who just looks at this and holy crap, we got 50,000 more cases yesterday. Doesn't mean the people are in the hospital, on ventilators, they're not dead, but more testing is being done. How do you account for that in your looking at all of the data to come up with your with your thesis? No, it's, it's very easy because um, there were also some very interesting papers like from Italy. And the basic thing is the big, the biggest number you can, the best number you can get is from, uh, is not from the death certificate, but at the end of the day, the normal numbers in the uh, public re- registration, I don't know how to pronounce it the, well. The public register, yeah, register. Yeah, yeah public register. There they have, for example, in the Netherlands, but also other countries, they have the numbers per week and they have the normal numbers per week in this, let's say, week number 20. The number number of death is let's say uh, uh, five thousand in this area. Okay, and so you're right, I got you. So it's still people dead, and you can always count the dead people and and compare that with previous yeah. data sets. And, and and there are websites, the Economist and ftfinancialtimes.com, ft.com, have for many countries exactly those data. So those data are the right data. All the other ones are influenced by. And uh, on purpose or not on purpose is not important, but those data doesn't mean anything because, again, the number of tested or cases is uh, dependent on the number of tests and also who are you testing or not. But there are um, several countries are doing really good research. And, yeah, I think we currently have also for the Netherlands the right what they call infection fertility rate. And infection fertility rate means if you are getting infected, then the, the, the probability that you will die. And that differs a lot by age groups and also by, by gender, by the way. But well, we have very clear numbers. We, we I think we have the right numbers. And those numbers are also partly confirmed by, for example, what was happening in L.A. County, where they did also a sample of more than 800. And several other, other countries did those numbers. And we, got, we made an estimation of the number of... Uh, really infected in the Netherlands, also by municipality all over the, the country. And, yeah, because we connected to uh, those numbers from uh, the public registration. And, yeah, we know now what is, for example, the what they call infected fertility rate. That was, for example, in Bergamo is about uh, 0.7%. And Bergamo has a very old population. For the Netherlands, it is 0.5%. Five percent, right? This of everybody who gets infected is zero point five percent dies. But think, if you are below uh, forty years old, your chance to die is about one in thirty thousand. Yeah, this if you get infected, your chance to die is one in thirty thousand. The probability you die in one year in a car accident is twice as as big. And uh, people, for example, in my age, I am uh, seventy two. For my age, the probability if I if I become infected is one out of eighty five that I would die. Yeah, that's a and, big difference. And above eighty years, then you get numbers. Let's say above ninety years, it's uh, one out of let's say twelve. Yeah. And above eighty, it's about one out of twenty two or so. But below, imagine in the Netherlands, uh, more than seventy percent, seventy five percent of people who died were above seventy five years old. 
So how uh, it must be enormously frustrating for you to um, to be marginalized in this, in this way because this could be, but this is, I think, life saving information even for people just to have and be aware of their their own surroundings. Um, yeah. What do you do at this point? Yeah, what I do is try to get it uh, public as much as possible to do interviews, uh, to 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 write my blog, who's also, by the way. I always translated also in English, mm-hmm. so I have an English part. Although my blog was not prepared for so many people who visited it, but <laughs> I, we tried to you cope got, with it. Got a little surge, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I tried to get uh, my message through, but the the Dutch media, the newspapers, will not publish anything of me. Uh, what is Dutch that? What does that dish. say to you? Do do you feel that that is purely? And I I know it's not your business, and I don't want you to speculate, and you don't have to, but. What is what the hell is wrong? I mean, you're an expert and an expert at, at social geography. What is wrong that that yeah, but, they just don't want to hear it? Yeah, but it's an easy explanation from day one. From day one, they said, "Of course, you're an outsider," and everything what I said, they they uh, consulted virologists, and they say either it's not true or there are other options. So every time when I do something. They go to the virologist and they, yeah, they say uh, the sun is turning ar- around the right. earth, and, <laughs> yeah. and he says the other thing, so he has no proof. But have you and, have you reached out to any of these virologists and been able to sit down with them? Are they open to that? Yeah, the funny thing is, not, not the, the the one who's on in the media or the one who really um, advised the government, but I have yeah, contact already with about three, five, four professors and three, four doctors. And when I talk to them by phone, they confirm. I mean, they don't say completely, they don't say it's really true, but they say very interesting, very interesting, uh, and it really could be true. And then I told them, I am not uh, getting it into the media. You are a professor. Please, can you go to the media? And then two things happened. Either they contact media and they are not, yeah, they are not getting. an article about it, mm-hmm. or they are reluctant to do it because if they do it, they are also they're, doing it they're against afraid, yes against their their ninety five or ninety eight percent of their um, let's say colleagues. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, very similar issues uh, with uh, with many scientific fields. This yeah, but fear. the interesting thing is every time when I see a virologist on television, and if he says data, first of all, I notice that the new researchers, he doesn't know anything about the new research. They always say the things, the mantras, they said also two months ago. Every time, it's the same mantra, and, and basically, it's, it, it's, it's not maybe their goal, but they basically try to scare you, and because of scaring you, people are behaving the way they want you to behave, and that's distancing, don't touch things, be very... Yeah. Where is, where is, I, I heard from you right after we're done talking. I'm going to the beach. I'm lying on top of somebody. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. what you've done is, uh, you are, you're a human, you have human neural networking capabilities in your brain. That's what you do. You identify patterns. In fact, the term neural networking has been applied, uh, is being applied every day in artificial intelligence, particularly when it comes to trends and tracking data points across geography. The fucking 800-pound gorilla is Google, and yet they haven't seen this? 
How is this possible? These are the smartest guys in the room. They, they're always tracking influenza every year. Get your shot. Here's, what, here's what's happening. Here's where it's growing. They have this data. No one thought to look at this that way? Yeah, but that's also when Galilei started in the 17th century. Yeah, why not in the 13th century somebody else told so? Because, yeah, if you are so, yeah, your, your way of looking to something is always exactly the same. And then, yeah, every time they have a kind of, um, yeah, if I see a virologist, they explain things. Uh, they say, I don't know, but I think it's like this. And yeah, because you're not a virologist, they think, yeah, he's right. He studies it already for a long time. Who am I to, to question it? And most journalists don't ask the right questions because they don't have, let's say, the background to ask the right questions. They haven't so, done any of the research or the work to ask the questions. It's back, you can call yeah, it background, you, but it's, no. Yeah, but if you research the work, then you're getting the same things as all those virologists say, because if you re- research it, the only thing what's happening, and that's really big uh, uh, thing happened yesterday. Yesterday, um, let's say more and more you see in also in the literature uh, showing the, 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 the airborne virus, it could be important. There are really articles what, of a professor in Australia who said the world needs to face reality. It's airborne. It's not the, I'm not the only one. But are, there's even a petition of doctors in the United States in the direction of WHO to take into account the humidity as a factor to defend people. It's a petition you can find on the, on the internet. So I'm not basically the only one, but the, the, let's say the hotshots are still saying droplets, droplets, and maybe a little bit airborne. But yesterday happened something what, if it would be more international, that would be the turning point. The professor Christian Donkert, I don't pronounce his name well, he is the advisor to Angela Merkel. Mm-hmm. And he said yesterday in a podcast that more and more he sees proof of that airborne, air, the aerosol or airborne is become very important. And he even says most probably that's more important than the droplet. He still says, but still keep the social distancing because that's the other mantra. Whatever happens, they say, still keep the social distancing. But, um, but he says that it's more important than, uh, than the uh, droplet. And the interesting thing is, if you see more studies, like from London now, and even during the SARS period, they say 80% of all the uh, inf- infections happened during super spread events. Right. And that means that if it's aerosols, during super spread events, and 80% happens there, at least 80% of all the infections is going via air. My, my, um, my suggestion and my idea is, and I think I can prove it, the other 20% also goes via air, but not in, an, in a closed uh, area with uh, 100 people, but in your ho- house. Let's say you have an infected person in, a, in, in the bedroom, you stay with him. He doesn't start to sing, but maybe he starts to talk. Maybe there is no good ventilation, right. and there you could be infected. Or, but if you are not a long time in that room and you have a lot of ventilation there, the chance that that person in your house is infecting you is basically very low. I'm looking- and that also means that the droplet is not the case of trans- the way of transmitting. It's the air, the way of transmitting. I'm looking at uh, 40 to 60 rhcom the Healthy yes. Humidity website. And here, and this is the uh, petition. Very simple. Dear Director General WHO, Dr. 
Tedros. <clears throat> I call on the World Health Organization to review the scientific evidence related to indoor humidity and respiratory immune system response, viral transmission and virus inact- inactivation, and produce guidelines on the minimum lower limit of indoor humidity in public buildings for health. And they say a relative humidity of 40 to 60 percent in buildings will reduce respiratory infections and save lives. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's also because I talk with some of them, they still say that droplets are also important. But I really think if I talk with them, they are so stuck in the, that old model, they recognize that by air, but they only say it's, it's by air and it's also by droplets. I say it's only by air. And the interesting thing, measles goes only by air. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And I yeah. think yeah. influenza also goes by only air. by air. By air, yeah. So we can get back to shaking hands again. That's nice. Just don't yeah, touch, just you don't touch your face. Do, do much more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but be, 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 take, take care that there is a lot of ventilation so that if you are talking with someone that you don't have the situation that the air is is stuck a little bit. And yeah, maybe then in, I don't know, maybe three minutes, five minutes, 20 minutes, that should be discovered. Then you could be infected. But if you are somewhere outside, the risk that somebody uh, affects you is close to zero because the, 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 the airborne virus doesn't stay around you, fly around, goes up, there is wind, there is... Uh, yeah, there are all kinds of effects of the weather, the the, 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 the warmth of the of the of what you of your breath. Is it cold or warm? Outside is completely safe. So the for for people's personally health, personal health and responsibility, the advice would be um, ventilation, ventilation wherever possible. Be outside as much as possible. It's not a big deal to be just as long as you're outside. That's going to going to be the best. Of course, depending on the uh, climate. Uh, conditions and if you cannot due to poor ventilation high humidity then you should uh be masking and or don't go there at all i guess no the point is for example public transport yeah public transport usually is is a closed situation they need to open the uh, windows yeah but the funny thing is because that's not the instruction no, no the CDC. instruction is turn off the air conditioner close the windows put your mask yeah. on <laughs> And I see people here and, in Texas. It's ninety degrees. They're driving in their car, windows up, air conditioner off, mask on. No, it's yeah, like it's you, just, like a death wish. Yeah, but it's the other way around. That was very funny. There was a Dutch political party who had the suggestion to take the people of the Lesbos fugitive camp and to bring them to cruise ships because there were no people in the cruise ships. Yeah, that's and where the, the ventilation ship. is so groovy. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> And actually, if you drive with the windows closed, that's the worst choice. If you drive with the windows open, for sure, nothing will stay in your car. And on the other hand, also at home, if you are with two or three people at home, it's always the same people. It doesn't matter. I mean, don't be thinking all the time I have to open the window. But if you get strangers inside your house or you are in a place where strangers are, yeah, take care that right. there is uh, ventilation. And if there's no ventilation and the humidity is maybe too low, but maybe air conditioning could be also not so well for you, uh, then take uh, the, uh, a face cover. And- oh, Maurice, I just came up with an exit strategy for us, man. We need to make hats that have a little fan in the bill of the hat that blows air down past your face so you create a wall that uh, no virus can penetrate. 
Exactly. That's this, a very this, is, good and, this is a dynamite product. We'll be billionaires. Yeah, but, the, but there's one other thing. Um, for example, the, that, that covering your face is not, get, not getting the virus in. The most important part is not getting the, the virus, virus out. out. Yeah. And so, and if you come in areas where you have the risk that the virus can fly around for a while, those are the places where you really have need to, to have use a mask. Those right, right, but right. The moment, for example, in the Netherlands, in the north, the numbers are already two or three weeks close to zero or even zero. You don't need to do anything because you don't need anybody who is infected. Right. And they still act like every moment they can die because of the infection. So, typic- you know, it's also funny. I, I got a uh, question of people from a church and say, what would you advise? How can we continue? Yeah. Now, my first suggestion is go outside. You yeah, can just do, do a service outside. Sure. Yeah. If you are inside, be careful. Take care that there is a lot of ventilation inside your uh, in and out and so on. Don't sing. But if you want to sing, there's only one way you can do it. Find people inside your um, church who are already infected. Right. Because they can sing because they they don't have the virus anymore. So they don't spread the virus. But you see, for example, in Georgia, they had two two weeks the church open. And in the Christian post, I read, they had to close again. They kept the, 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 the distance of six feet. Still, people became infected. Also, like in Germany. In a in a, a church, also that happened. Why it happened? Right. Because it's not the distance; it's the ventilation. preventing mm-hmm. the venti- Yeah, that's all. It's so simple. So the questioning of authoritative voices on science uh, has been uh, pretty much taboo uh, during the climate change uh, slash global warming discussion. And I think that what you see, and I don't know where you stand on it, doesn't doesn't make that much difference. But without a doubt, you are not allowed to dissent because the term is the science is in. This is not an argument. All even though it's not true, all scientists agree it's not true. But that is what you were told. You were told to shut up. And in this, and that's fine because they're predicting things that may happen in ten years, three hundred years. Okay. People are very, very bad at assuming, at understanding risk. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know what to do about it because when, you know, it, it, it pops up a lot in the conversation. You say, well, 70,000 people a year die from influenza. Uh, 300,000 people in America, 300,000 people a year die from the, the number one killer, which is mistakes in hospital, uh, automobile accidents, et cetera, et cetera. People, is is there a way to teach this? Is this something that uh, that is not being okay, put, no, being put into, into people's brains in the proper way so we can comprehend it? Now, first of all, I said there, there started a kind of mass hysteria because of a combination of the, 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 the pictures and videos from Bergamo, and that caused a kind of mass hysteria because yes. then you got the virologist who said that is the risk we can get, and Many cities also, you could see the exponential growth of, of, of cases. So they basically did the lockdown. Of all the, the things they did in the lockdown, only one thing really matters. They stopped the, the, the super spread super events. Super spread events, right. All the other components of it were, were minor, maybe 5% of the effect. The 95% was the super spread effect. Events uh, were forbidden. And the funny thing is, therefore, you see everywhere in the world where it was really an outbreak, big outbreak, 
Then you see that all the numbers are going in the same direction, roughly, uh, someone a little bit uh, later, but all going down, not because of the social distancing, but because of not having super spread events. And uh, so what happened uh, during the start in March, we got the mass hysteria because on the one hand you saw the videos from uh, Bergamo and on the other hand you had virologists who said basically everything what you do is dangerous. Uh, touching coins, uh, going outside, uh, being Well, no, no, worse, the worst, Maurice, other people are dangerous. That's what they were telling us. Yeah, basically that's that's pretty evil. Yeah, you have to keep a distance of, let's say, six feet of someone so everybody could be uh, your killer. Not on purpose, <laughs> yes. but could be your killer. Yeah. I know people, really young people who had no risk whatsoever were n- not daring to go out in the street yeah. because they thought they would die in five minutes. So what do we do about this understanding of risk and the lie? I mean, clearly it's because people trust so-called authorities, but I mean, we, we're not going to change that anymore. That's set in stone. Is it, do we just keep plugging along under the radar? Is that, is that the only no, way to no. go? No, something interesting will happen in the coming months. Aha. The coming month, there was something interesting happen. What you will see uh, also in the United States, especially in the more northern part, like New York, uh, and also big parts of uh, California, uh, and other parts in the northern part of the uh, United States, the numbers will go down, 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 because of the weather. There are not even uh, other super spreading events, because the, the, the humidity is higher, so the numbers will gr- go in the direction of zero. In all those cities, all the, you go in the same direction. Maybe the, the first one will be zero uh, in two weeks and other ones maybe in four weeks because uh, pay attention. If you have somebody who dies today, on average, he was infected three weeks ago. Right. So the numbers you're getting now are the numbers of three, three weeks, weeks ago. ago. Yeah. And so I think it, currently in the Netherlands, I think we are close to zero. But you still get, let's say, 10 or 15 people dying a day. But you see, if you get to see the numbers, it goes really close to zero. Mm-hmm. But the only one, of course, the virologists say, but be, pay attention, the second, second wave, wave, the second wave. Second wave is coming. That's yeah. the new mantra. The second wave maybe will come, but that will come in, in autumn. And only because they stay doing the same uh, uh, wrong things like they did in the past. Right. But okay. But what you will see now, and that's happening now in the Netherlands, it will go grow to zero. We have nice weather. People are not accepting anymore that they have to do everything what the government says. And I spoke, I, I spoke with the mayors because I have good contact still also in politics. And those mayors say, I mean, we cannot stop it anymore. Correct. Because we, people won't take say, that shit anymore. Do we have to shoot people because they go to the beach? <laughs> and they also get the people, let's say, uh, entrepreneurs... Who's in 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 in, in horeca in, in in restaurants? Yeah, they're coming up with bar. ways. They're coming up with ways to get around legislation and get shit yeah, done. Yeah, but right? also yeah. they are pressing and pressing. You have to open up because we go broke, and that's die, really yeah. happening, uh, and so on. So there is a lot of pressure from society. The moment the numbers are close to zero, then people start to think, "What are we doing?" And and will we keep on like, "Okay, you are you are single." Uh, what do you do the coming three, four months to meet someone? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, maybe online. Zoom, baby. To a, <laughs> Zoom video. Yeah, but not to a, not to a club. <laughs> no. And basically, outside, you could do anything. Anything you really want. Really anything. And, and inside the club, if you have the right um, 
ventilation and you do the right things and be careful when, for example, toilets to do the right thing, then nothing will happen. And even because the people are 30, 35 years old maximum, even if some people are infected, their, their risk to die of it is close to zero. So why are we keeping those people at home and not to the clubs? It's, 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 it's crazy. So uh, thinking through this logically, what we'll see is, and, and by the way, in the United States, people are just, I mean, they're not having it. They're going to the, and, by, and this is why we have guns in America. So we can go to our government and say, hey, uh, we don't want you to do this anymore. We're tired of it. And here's our, here's our proof to back it up that we're serious. Um, so we'll, so we'll, people are, it's opening up. Uh, Texas is almost pretty much open, I'd say, although we still have weird policies in place Uh, we're going to see the uh if your theory holds up which i believe it does we'll see india in a couple of months we'll see australia new zealand we'll see and that i think will probably be used australia new zealand maybe not because if they have zero people and even if the influenza the, the, the 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 corona will not start okay I'm just looking for a way for the media and the experts to say, see, 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 second wave coming, be careful. Yeah, but that will happen, of course, even if maybe what happens in the Netherlands, it's going down, 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 and there's an area where maybe 100 people are infected. Why? Because they work at the meatpackers' packers place. Right, 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 right. The silly thing is, in the Netherlands, they said, okay, we are now losing up. We have five things to lose up. So now schools are opening, but limited. Uh, we, you can go to a, to a, a, a hairdresser and and some other things, and, pe- and younger people can do sport outside. And but they say, listen, if it, we get an increase of cases, then we will uh, yeah go back a little bit. And my question was, okay, let's say what I don't believe that you get a real increase of cases. Why is it because of the school, or is it because of the hairdresser, or is it because of the meat packers, or is there because of air condition? They don't know. So, because they don't have the right information. Data collecting is not their speciality. Because, for example, in the Netherlands, my suggestion was, and I have the software, like other companies, why not from day one, everybody who thought he was infected, doing a questionnaire uh, from day one. The questionnaire is, okay, about symptoms. Who do you think infected you? Who do you think you infected? Where did it happen? Um, then which profession you have, and then do it on a daily basis. And then and, and what uh, make the data open for all the data analysis so they can find, analyze data. And also what you can do, because today and tomorrow and the day after tomorrow, you still ask people to fill it in. So maybe there, you have a delay of six, seven days, but you can see how it develops compared by yesterday or last week or by five weeks ago. And then you, you, you have the data to, to do the right action. They don't do it because that's not their, yeah, that's not their game. The software, there is so many companies who have software to do that analysis for the software is free. Mm-hmm. And I started it also, this questionnaire, about three weeks ago. I went to the Dutch CDC and I said, uh, we, we built it. If you say to everybody, please fill it in. Then we have mass numbers. Nobody did it. I went to the press. I said to some of the, 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 let's say, who have two or three million viewers, Mm -hmm. if you say, okay, do it, and you can get the data, everybody can get the data. Nobody did it. I did it on my own. 
So we have now about 5,000 people who filled it in. Mm -hmm. And we got already interesting numbers. But if I had a million people in, I could do it by region, by city, by uh, profession, also by last week and before the lockdown and after the lockdown. And they didn't do it. And so they take their, their action on very poor data. And then it's 2020. I mean, not 1920. No, it's 2020. <laughs> yes, it's like, this is kind of the internet age. It shouldn't be that hard, people. No, and the, the money, you don't need to build a new uh, app. No, it's there. You, it's only works. a new URL. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, can do, I did it with my, the software of the company I work with, and it's easy. Well, uh, obviously, we're, we're in a position here where certain uh, professions and industries are so deeply ingrained with government and the trust level between those is so high that there's no way you can get in. They don't care. They don't want to hear it. They may be afraid of, uh, of what they'll learn. And worst of all, oh. oh, my goodness, they might have been wrong, which brings me to my next point. I would like yeah. to know, and this is not something you can necessarily answer, but I'll just bring it up. Uh, your uh, message is being pushed away and rejected as as wrong. Uh, it is being uh, delisted or taken down or certainly obfuscated by Silicon Valley companies. And they're saying this is bad information. They're putting a little notice on it, bad information. Why is it when I go to any news story uh, about the CDC or specifically Anthony Fauci saying, Oh, masks, don't wear them. It's not good. Uh, oh, you can, you can certainly, um, what I have as another example, um, there's a uh, surface. Oh, yeah. Be careful. It could be on a surface anywhere. And now it's, it's, uh, oh no, it can't happen on surfaces. Why is that older content? With the incorrect information, according to the latest from the same people, why does that not get a tag? Yeah. What the fuck? I think, yeah, but the, the, the reason is um, because most people and most journalists are not specialists in the topic, and they were thinking a long time. Yeah, those people have studied for it. Yeah, but it's still, it's still a fact check. It's a fact check on old information. It's old. It's been corrected by the same people. Yet the content is still everywhere, not listed as this is incorrect. Go check here for the correct answer. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, the I'm, difference? I'm, yeah, but, but, but what I see in the Dutch media, then I, I notice what happened in the United States about the, 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 the surfaces. Mm-hmm. Also, the announcement, go outside. There was the press conference of the home security lab, what was saying at the 23rd of, uh, of April. Uh, temp- high temperature is bad for the virus, high, high humidity, right, right, and, right, right. and sunlight is really, and his advice was, move all activities outside. I yeah. thought... Oh, and, <laughs> I'll tell you what happened, because I watched that. And, and it was the light, but it was, and what happened was, out of that whole thing, Trump told you to drink bleach. That's exactly. all. And everything else the guy said was gone, no one gave a shit about it, because of that yeah. one, and they, it was crazy. Yeah, but that happened. But it was in, in line with uh, basically all other four or five researchers who said, for example, in China, they studied about 1,200 people and asked, and asked, where did you become infected? Only one of them said outside. And also other studies. So it confirmed that information. And n- nothing of that information became uh, uh, in, in the Netherlands uh, big news. Also about surfaces, there was not 
no, no one big media uh, said that uh, on surfaces, yeah, uh, it's not it's not so bad as it, as we thought it was. So I I uh, publish it because for me it's important to notice, and it was again a confirmation on logical basis that I say it's impossible because of surfaces because then. Everybody inside the house of a patient would, would be infected, would be infected. Right. especially the toilet. You're so right. Yeah, if you are not at home infected, why in the supermarket on the on the, the, the on, just yeah, walking around there? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so, but again, I got so many mails of people who said, "Thank God, what you wrote." I was inside my house. Paracetamol or other. Hunkered down. I had the heater up. I had the windows closed. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> and now I know how that my risk is much lower. Yeah. You saved my life. Yes. I never had so yes. many, so many uh, positive I, emails. I completely think that that is true. I am in full agreement. Is it possible as a non-virologist uh, scientist to to get? Um, your work, your paper uh, uh, published in, to be peer-reviewed in any way, or is that not possible because you have the wrong, uh, the wrong no, stamp? No, no, no. What, I, what I was doing, uh, I have two uh, doctors who want, uh, they're 70 years old, so they don't have an active position anymore, and we together start to write the, the paper, but the, and then they try to get it somewhere published, but the problem is... Yeah, I have I I have almost no time to work on it because there's first of all uh, my blogs, but the new researches, I, I, this kind of interview, um, I try to give answer to people because they're either they send me very interesting information or they have very urgent requests. What personally for them, for example, a very moving mail. I got a mail of an autistic uh, girl who's of about thirty years old. And they said, yeah, my problem is uh, I need to cuddle with my mother. She, we're not living in the same place, but to cuddle is for me so important to be, become healthy. And we didn't cuddle for six weeks or eight weeks. Can you advise us what we can do? And I, of course, I wrote her back what she could do, that her risk was close to zero. And especially uh, don't uh, talk too much. Take, uh, do it outside if possible. Do it inside with the windows open. And your risk is zero. And I got a mail back that she was very grateful. And there are no, that's one. But I, I get so many of those. So I don't have almost not the time to really uh, yeah. doing the, the, the paper. But other people try to do it. And we hope to publish it in maybe one. How about a, fi- a fine Dutch publication like Elsevier's? You'd think that they'd take that for their uh, medical publications. Yeah, there are many other places yeah. where you could do, yeah. although I don't know, <laughs> because what I write it. down is so different from the other ones. Isn't that um, the point, though? Isn't that what science is? Isn't that the scientific method? Isn't that the whole process? Yeah, you would think so. But yeah. sometimes I have the yeah. impression that if you are too much outside what they always thought, because imagine if I'm right, then all those virologists for 60 years look to the, to the wrong direction. All the advices of WHO for the current crisis are basically wrong. And even now, and if they turn around and adopt what I say, or they really seriously study it, and in one or two weeks or days they confirm it, you could save millions of lives. And also you could save the economy. Because if you do it the right way and take the super spread events all over the world out of the equation, 
That's I'm all. Sure, that's already going to be the majority of your problem right there. Yeah, but on the other hand, I'm sure if you could do that right in the right way all over the world, this disease, this virus, would die without a, 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 a vaccination like SARS did in the 2003. Right. Who also went away. Oh, oh, think, oh, oh, you're talking like Trump now. You can't use those words. <laughs> We're yeah, but, but very sensitive was, here. <laughs> yeah, but my point was, yeah, I... I, it doesn't matter. I, I think. No, I know. I I'm, I'm being. I'm being facetious, obviously. Okay. That, that's no, no, but exactly the point, what it is. The point is, the only thing is, if you don't understand how you stop it, then it will uh, come back uh, in the in the autumn here, and it will go on during the summer Forever. in those yeah. uh, in those uh, areas. And you need to have that vaccine to really stop it. And I don't know if you can get it in one or two years. If you do the right approach all over the world because you understand how it works, you beat the virus without a vaccine. Well, I, I mean, if you, if a vaccine can even be developed, that's a whole nother can of worms. But I'm I'm so happy that uh, that you took the time to do this, Maurice. And I'm also kind of really sad because uh, my my daughter who lives in Rotterdam, she sent me a picture uh, uh, two weeks ago of her mo- a grandmother who turned 94 and her grandmother has been locked in the uh, nursing home for the past three, three months. So she went to go visit her grandmother, which meant that her grandmother was sitting in the middle of a, of a, of a, she sent me the picture in the middle of a room with now I, I realize a rather low ceiling in what is basically the Pope mobile without wheels. So it's, and, and and the top is open. Yeah, but the what fucking you could top do, is open, so there's no ventilation. She could have been infected so easily by people just being in that same basic space. Yeah, but what they, what they should do is ventilate. bring them to the gar- garden. Yeah, outside, exactly. These people are locked sit in. next to them yes. and hug them even. Yeah, yeah. And what we do then, we keep them in, inside. Yeah. yeah. That, and that's the worst situation to be in. In all ways, mentally, everything. It's It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. What is believable is you, Mr. Maurice the dog. I love talking to you. Yeah, Thank you. You really, really brought it. Where can we find uh, all of your work and what should we be looking for and what can I link to in the show notes? Yeah, um, maurice.nl slash COVID-19 slash, no, um, how do you call it? Uh, no, between COVID and 19. I don't, the dash, is that? the? Let me see what you're talking about. We call about. it streep, streepje. Oh, a dash? Or under, yeah. underscore? So, underscore? No, dash. Okay, dash. So it's maurice.nl mm-hmm. slash COVID-19. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, COVID-19. And then uh, slash and then English. No, um, no. If you, yeah, yeah, if you it, be it, on maurice.nl, I got it you here. can go to the COVID part and yep. then find the button English. Yeah, right And then there. you find, find all my articles. Yeah, I got it right here. I will put the proper link to the... Uh, yeah, uh, sorry, the, I couldn't pronounce it well in English. Maurice, your English is fine. <laughs> it's, it's, re- it's very, very good. Not a problem. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, but I, 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 somebody told me a very funny thing. I said, you know what they, the language they speak the most in the world? And he said, bad English. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, actually, the Dutch are incredibly good at English. It's the accent that is always fun. Uh, okay. But uh, but Maurice, I really appreciate it. And I appreciate the work you're doing. And I'm, I'm very uh, 
I'm very thankful that you're in a place in your life where you can do this because a lot of people walk away from it for their careers, for their personal reasons, and you're sticking in there. And, and I really appreciate yeah. that. And we'll continue yeah, to you know promote why? it. You know why? Somebody asked me the question, why are you doing it? And I said, listen, this is maybe the biggest crisis in the world. We, yeah, especially after the Second World War. And I think what we will get the coming five or ten years, I'm very pessimistic about it. If I, with my background and my knowledge, would walk away of it, I have also children and grandchildren. Right on. Why? Sh- this is my 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 knowledge, my my yeah, my quality. It's our, it's your I legacy. Don't, I don't walk away of it. Yeah. I agree. And, and uh, a lot of people are doing the same. A lot of people are supporting you. And uh, all of these theories at least deserve looking at. And uh, I, all the data you've shown, uh, it's going to change some of the behaviors I have. And uh, hopefully we've uh, changed some minds yeah. as well. And I, I can also give my email address. Go for it. Um, top dog and L. <laughs> At gmail.com. <laughs> Great. Top dog. Very good. I'll put I'll put that Top in. Dog NL Top dog at gmail.com. At gmail.com was not available when I wanted to do it. <laughs> because my you know my name, the hond, means dog. So I thought, Yeah, uh, I know. That's what, you have a nickname over here, man. Hey, Curry's talking to the dog on Tuesday. We're gonna get the lowdown. So <laughs> yeah, you're famous, man. Maurice Dahome, thank you so much for uh, for taking the time, and uh, hopefully we can uh, have an update conversation in the future, which will be which will have a much rosier outlook. Thank you very much, and stay healthy. Yes, and we're back here at the Jack Off Hour, one eight seven point four on your FM dial. I am Willie Dynamite. We're getting ready for another quarantine kickoff hour. We got the D O Double G here. Yeah, that's right. We got Snoop Dogg in the house. <laughs> Speaking of house, street lights on, nigga, get your ass in it <laughs> and stay there. I wanna go outside. What? What? I'm stuck in the house. I wanna take a ride. But I'm sitting right on the couch. You can't tell me this is how we supposed to be living. I'm just waiting for the day I can have some. You got that right, baby. Wanna get out in the sunshine? Oh, Snoop Deagle Double G, baby. Sunshine. sunshine. sunshine.